Hey everybody, welcome back to the Phil Krause Survival Podcast. I got a couple hosts. I think we're uh, threesoming this podcast. I got Kevin Owens and Raul. What's up, guys? What's up? Hey, what's up? All right, we're going to do the ads. Hey, we're sponsored by Killcliff.com. Um, man, I'm three Killcliffs deep today. I am too. And I've been here for 10 minutes. Uh, CBD uh, infused Killcliff is my favorite. I see Kevin's over there drinking the, the lime version of the Recover. Um, support the Navy SEAL Foundation. Do a lot of good stuff for our community. Veteran-owned businesses. Um, awesome natural energy drink. Use Survival 10. That's Survival 10 to save 10% on checkout at killcliff.com. Uh, also, Triarch, man, you're a big fan of Triarch, bro. I am definitely like their their setup. I like I like fully built guns, and we see this in ranges a lot. Guys will come in with like hand pieced guns that they did, and they always fail. There's always mm. something that falls apart. And I always mention, hey man, get a full build. I let them shoot our uh, the Triarch guns that we have here in the company, and instantly they're like, that's the gun I need. Like I need one of those. I want one of those. And they they start fishing around and looking for the Triarch stuff. But it's just really well built stuff. Uh, all the tolerances are great, and they, they just fit well. They shoot well, and uh, I've had no reliability issues, and I think I've put 10,000 or more rounds through that carbine that I'm running right now. Yeah, we run a lot of rounds through those guns. Uh, if you guys use Philcraft, one word, you guys can save 5% on checkout at triarchsystems.com. That's T-R-I-A-R-C systems.com. Also, this podcast is sponsored to you by KC Highlights. Highlights is H-I-L-I-T-E-S. We just did a light tactics video on our YouTube channel. It's uh, the Phil Craft Survival Channel. Uh, if you're not subscribed, go to YouTube, put in Phil Craft, uh, and subscribe. There's tons of education. This light tactics video is on the application of what lights per use you would use and why. Uh, and you guys can check that out and use Phil Craft one word to save 10% on checkout. Um, on this podcast, guys, we had the opportunity to do a podcast with all three of us. A myriad of experiences. Uh, Raul, former Chicago police officer, former uh, sheriff uh, here in Prescott, Arizona. A whole bunch of knowledge and experience coming from Raul with a law enforcement background. Also, I had Kevin Owens, who, you know, he I think he was a member of the IRA. I think, right? <laughs> um, but he he was in Ireland. He dealt with a lot of the the, the situations and the circumstances legally. And we talk about rules of engagement, um, but going from the Irish military to uh, the U.S. military, uh, again, uh, too much experience to, to talk about on this uh, intro, but let's get to it. We're talking about, it's the tactical review podcast, but as part of that, we are talking about the circumstances going on with the death of George Floyd. So hope you guys enjoy. Gentlemen, what's up, man? What's man, up, guys? What's going on, guys? What's up? All right, so... Raul, you just came back from Chicago. How was that, man? <laughs> so initially, it was great. Everything was going fine. Um, it was pre uh, the ignition of this um, protest slash what's now low key uh, insider info becoming like a race war, uh, which is weird. Uh, but it was really great. We had a great time at the at the range. So let me back up a little bit and throw out some positives there. Uh, the people there are great. Super great food. We got to share meals with a lot of the locals and. It was just good to be home and, and hang out with everybody, see the streets, drive past everywhere. Uh, and I kind of played a little game like, let me get everywhere I need to get without using um, GPS. And it's like, hey, man, I remember all this, driving mm -hmm. everywhere in the city, across the city with no GPS, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, the, the training was great. It's a great facility there, Frontside Solutions with Gary. Uh, we'll definitely be back. Uh, and then I had scheduled to leave Chicago today 
But then everything went crazy. And even the airlines, when I changed my ticket, were like, due to civil unrest, we'll hook it up and we'll let you wow. guys leave whenever you want to leave. So they mm -hmm. even threw out the civil unrest without me even mentioning it, uh, which is interesting that they're already tracking those things. And mm -hmm. for them to use the term civil unrest is a big deal, man. Yeah. Especially corporations like American Airlines. Yeah. In context, is you grew up in I Chicago. I did. Yeah. yeah. You, uh, raised in Chicago. And then um, uh, you were also a Chicago police officer. Right. And... <laughs> It's funny because I was kind of showing you guys a video this morning and we, we debriefed a lot of people when we would pick them up on drug charges or whatever we grabbed. And we always talked about because that's how you gather information, right? You gather great intel that way. And it's funny to hear what within the black community, how they treat each other. Uh, and that's kind of why we're doing this whole chat and conversation about this. But Chicago is a prime example of those things, right? The violence that goes on in Chicago, everybody thinks the whole city is rampant with violence. But everything's isolated into little pockets, mm -hmm. right? So this neighborhood. Right? It is, yeah, yeah, for sure. And you don't see the whole town burning up. But now that you're seeing Michigan Avenue's windows breaking and all this crazy shit that's happening, it doesn't make sense because it doesn't normally happen. Right. So somehow they're being funneled and it's not uh, I don't want to get too much into that. But the city itself uh, treats itself uh, very interestingly when things like this happen, because it isn't always like that. So now it's spilling over and it's not the same crime happening in the same place. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Kev, you you and me went to series mm -hmm. when went, went well. Now you want yeah. to talk about series? Yeah. Uh, great bunch of people. Uh, super friendly and uh Everybody there really, really interested in learning. Um, of course, they all get off the line real quick because they all have 10 round mags in their guns and, they, and they're not allowed <laughs> to have magazines, right? But uh, it's so interesting to train in different parts of the world and then, or different parts of the country and see the restrictions that everywhere has. And um, you go to California, it's one thing. Chicago is probably yeah. the same type of, of restrictions, Close. right? Yeah. Yeah, I always um, think that's serious too is everybody who's there is really training because they care about self-defense yeah like i i get a feeling of almost anxiety where i step up my preparedness game because mm -hmm. prescott you can get complacent because it's yeah. so yeah. Mm -hmm. uh friendly here i think the last murder uh it was in pv and it was a long time ago yeah. and here uh, or in cali in series man it's it's rampant there's a lot of densely populated areas mm -hmm. and we ran that edc which is the first time you were exposed to but we ran that edc course and mm -hmm. I, I thought that went pretty well yeah it went real well um, I think we we identified a gap in that even if you're profi proficient at carrying a gun, even if you're pro proficient at drawing a gun and shooting it accurately, there's a lack of people's knowledge of exactly when they would drop the hammer on somebody and shoot them, you know? Because they, they think about it in very broad terms and in very black and white terms kind of thing, yeah. but the, the world is gray, man. The, 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 you know, that guy that, that walks up to you pointing a gun at a gas station and you have all the time in the world to draw and fire, that it, it usually doesn't happen like that. There's usually a lot of other uh, factors involved and you have a split second to make a decision. So we, we talked to the students about that too, uh, quite a bit. Yeah, the, the one thing that kind of took me back was asking the question, like, what's the criteria? Like inside of your own heads, mm -hmm. you know, speaking to the students, What's your criteria for pulling your gun and taking a shot? Because we know, all three of us yeah. have yeah. dealt we, with it for years and years yeah. and years, and we know internally what, what the criteria is for us. And, yeah. and for me, it doesn't change state to state. I don't give a shit if I'm in California and there's no <laughs> yeah. stand your ground law. My, my ROE in my head is the same anywhere yeah. I go. Imminent threat is imminent threat. And I, I disregard, and this is what I do, I disregard the fact that I'm in California or Chicago or wherever. Right. To me, it's all the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the scenarios in questioning I asked were for specifics. Because typically, 
you know, I call it uh, scripting, right? You develop this script in your head of kind of the actions and what you're going to do based on the world around you. And I said, hey, imagine you're at a gas station. A guy comes up to you and he's got the back frame of a pistol exposed and he shows you that. And I asked the guy, I said, hey, what are you going to do? He goes, and he gave me a book answer, right? He said, mm-hmm. I'm going to use my weapon in self-defense of my life um, to save my life. And I said, no, 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 no. Talk me through specifically what you're going to do when you see the handle of that pistol. And he goes, I'm going to draw the gun, but I'm probably not going to shoot him. I'm probably going to give him a chance. Mm-hmm. And then I said, okay, stop. Inherently, here's, here's one of the issues with that. Timing is an issue, but also not realizing that the person who showed you the handle of a gun, that might not be the criteria in a very state to state for you defending your life. And so if he pulls his gun and shoots you, he might be justified. And then you pulling your gun first and then saying, don't move. And then he goes to draw his gun and you shooting him could be subjectively or objectively looked at as murder. And and so I always tell people like the criteria initiates a response where you draw your pistol and you finish the fight. You're not you're not a police officer. You're not drawing your gun to mitigate risk or to get to get a change in behavior. You're doing so because there's an, a clear and imminent threat, mm-hmm. um, and people don't understand that. And no. they, they also don't understand as we talk through the process that you more likely under stress, pulling your gun, going through a behavioral script and action aren't going to be cognitive enough to stop yourself in the middle of that to make a rational decision. Mm. Um, you know, to think that you're going to pull the gun and then your ideology is, I'm going to pull my gun and hold this guy at gunpoint and tell him to back up. Well, then what? Mm. What's they have the no idea, action? like, the mentality of the other person. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, that dude has had guns, maybe pointed guns at him before, and mm-hmm. he fucking And he walked straight up to him, and, and then what are you going to do? Shoot yeah. him in the head? Exactly. You, you've pulled your card. You've shown all your yeah. cards. Yeah, and, and you escalated and the situation. Absolutely. And it might be even an open carry state. Yeah. So you saw a gun on his hip so odd. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's um, crazy. It, it just, yeah. it does show, uh, and I'm a, I'm a firm believer in concealed carry, but it shows that the laws... When you do concealed carry course, mm-hmm. they, they ta- teach you the legalities, but it's like a rule of engagement briefing in the military. Right. It's very broad and it's very, um, it's it's pointers, right? They don't mm-hmm. dig down into the mentality and, and, and all the things that, that come into play when you pull that gun, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it so, kind of exposed that. It was almost like you set that up when you asked that guy because he'd give you the exact answer for the teaching point you were trying to get across. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Was that the look across the board? Like when you looked at the whole class, and you asked it oh, in, yeah, in, in a yeah. Cause I, I, group well, setting, right? Later on, uh, they were on the line, and I was running drills, and Mike, I think he went to take a piss or something, but and I, I was talking about when you would fire. When yeah. would you open fire? And somebody said in defense of your life, okay, great, textbook answer, right? When else? And I got blank stares yeah. from everybody. Like They were like, uh, uh, uh. Yeah. And I, I tried to prompt them, you know, what about defending your family, a loved one? You know, another human being, you yeah, know, depending on the situation. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, what if somebody tries to disarm you? Once you go down that rabbit hole, you need to, you need to war game that, all that stuff in your head. So you, yeah. you have a step up when, when you have a split second to make a decision. Yeah, that's why I like the self-defense stuff. And, I, and so the second part of the day after Pistol in Chicago, we did uh, the Street Ready Combatives program, our mm-hmm. hand-to-hand fighting stuff. And it was cool, man. It was everyone was going hard, and they were asking those same questions, like, "Well, when would I do this? When would I do that?" So I'm very careful with the way I I set up our scenarios, 
right? I set our scenarios up as threats. Mm -hmm. You're managing threats versus managing an attack, right? Mm -hmm. So like dealing with somebody who's shooting at you already is very different than somebody pointing a gun at you and being like, hey, give me your shit, right? Mm -hmm. There's time to make decisions. Yeah. Uh, so I give them scenarios where it's dealing with the threat, not the attack. The attack should be like, make some space, get some cover, fucking shoot back, mm -hmm. right? I'm not gonna wrestle a dude who's already shooting at me. So I try to paint those pictures so they understand parameters for themselves, mm -hmm. right? Again, with the knife, we talk about what, what are the deadly parts of the knife, the blade part that cuts you and the pointy end that stabs you, right? And those travel either in circular motions or they travel in linear motions, right? So we figure those things out and then we learn to navigate that. But again, the scenario starts when somebody puts a blade on you, not somebody slashing at you because it's a very different environment. <laughs> that requires a lot more emotional training because you need to be over the fact that you're being fucking ambushed and attacked mm. and then how to respond to that, not just react, right? Because reactions are emotional compromised behaviors versus responses that are calculated. You've made a decision. You know that you're not compromised and you're giving the right solution to the fucking problem. Mm. So yeah. it's cool that you guys did that. Yeah, I think inherently the the overall issue I'm seeing in training period is we're not having these long form, form discussions right. about very mm -hmm. specific things. Yeah. So it, it, people treat training... I've seen a lot of companies make this mistake in treating training like it's end-all, be-all. Like, it's the classic military guy who has a training company, and he teaches a gunfighter pistol course. Well, our gunfighter pistol course, we're teaching when, when the hand touches the gun and you're holding it via the drawing mechanism, right? So we don't focus on the draw from center console, glove box, nightstand, waistband. It goes, it, it goes on because that rep is on you. Yeah. But when you've made that decision to get the gun in your hands and, and um, activate the criteria or the actions and the criteria to fight, then we take it from there, right, with all the considerations. I think a lot of trainers are taking their military experience based on their rules of engagement, and then they're executing those tasks, which is very different <laughs> than it is. Is. very yeah. calculated mm -hmm. decisions decisions that got to be made by yeah. civilians. Yeah. And I know, you know, we talked about in this range, let's talk about the rules of engagement. Mm -hmm. You know, you dealt with the ROE rules of engagement mm -hmm. overseas in a, a different form, right? Yeah, well, we, we've all, all three of us at this table have killed people with guns. Like, like not, not pretend we haven't, but um, the, the rules of engagement for soldiers overseas are different than cops, right? Cops in, in, in the United States or wherever are dealing with their own citizens, right? So... The, the the ability to open fire on on people it, it's much stricter and it should be right mm -hmm. when when you're in in uh, but the rules of engagements for soldiers they fluctuate depending on how the war is going right the, the yeah, rules of engagement in, in Iraq in 04 were different than the rules of engagement in Iraq in 07 mm -hmm. because we were losing the war I remember hearing a story about World War II and I used to tell kids this when I was teaching them you know law of land warfare. There was a, a story out of World War II early on when the Germans invaded France and were holding it, the British, the Royal Air Force were dropping leaflets into occupied France. Or I'm sorry, into Germany. And uh, they were saying, you know, you know, resist Hitler, fight Hitler, he's he's not good, whatever. And some guy in the bird forgot to cut the bundle. And mm. the bundle fell as a brick and killed somebody on the ground. And Damn. it was so early in the war, they were going to charge that guy with manslaughter. Now, fast forward like two years, we are firebombing German Everything. cities and trying to kill as many civilians yeah. as possible, you know? So the ROE does fluctuate depending on how the war is going. And in 2007, um, we were losing the war in Iraq and, yeah. and the ROE got, changed drastically, you know? But I did grow up in Ireland. I did operate in Ireland for years. And when I did border patrol operations in Ireland, every time we grabbed our weapons, got our weapons loaded, 
we got read our rules of engagement every single day for years. Interesting. It's it's like thirty five years. Cops don't do that. No. They don't. They don't. They just teach them in the academy, and then yeah. you go. No, <laughs> over there we got it every single day, and it was so ingrained in me that I can remember it all right now. I, and I was I was rattling it off to Mike in the truck yesterday <laughs> while you we were driving, you know. And and that's what I brought up with the students. I'm like, tell me tell me five times you could open fire. And this is the rules we had in Ireland on the Northern Ireland border. Defense your own life, defense your comrades' life, to protect your post, to stop yourself being forcibly disarmed, and to prevent serious damage to government property. They were the five times we were told. And then within those, there was uh, justification, prevention, compliance with the law and minimum force, right? So justification for every separate act of force. So um, I butt stroke you, you fall down, I can't kick you, right? Every single act of force needs justification. Prevention, I have to be preventing you from doing something. Right, I have to be preventing you from throwing a Molotov, Molotov cocktail at a patrol vehicle. Right, I have to be preventing you. But then that that gets very broad too, even because the question come up: What if a guy detonates a bomb and he's running away? Can I shoot him because he's a fucking terrorist and I'm preventing him from killing people later on? Right, that's still yeah, prevention. So sure. that whole thing came out. Right, uh, minimum force. That that's a no brainer. If I can, um, you know. Uh, escalation of force if I can pin you down freaking flex coffee I don't need to shoot you and then compliance with the law you you are uh, subject to the law um, like anybody else and police officers are subject mm-hmm. to the law so you t- when you dig into the rules of engagement the complexities of being I have mad respect for police officers I really do because me and Mike were talking about this uh, when we got when we deployed we went into war we did our thing, got in a lot of gunfights, we came back and we went back to our regular lives. Police officers do it all day, every day. They put the uniform on and they go out there and they protect the public, right? And um, there's hundreds of thousands of police officers in the United States that do awesome shit. And one fucking dirtbag does something wrong and everybody gets painted with the same brush. All police are racist. All police are freaking out of control. And it's fucking not true. And I've got family in Ireland who... They hear this bias media, you know. You, you're listening to CNN. CNN's not a, a, a they're not journalists. They're, they're, they're propaganda officers for the extreme left. They're propaganda officers for the American Communist Party. And they're fucking lying to you, you know. Yeah. So yeah, this they're is a narrow, billionaire corporation. Like, people yeah. understand, like, yeah. they're, not, they're not the people. Yeah. Right. They're, they're mm-hmm. the voice box for powerful, yeah. wealthy human beings. And it's not like they're, they used to spin the truth and, and tilt it a little bit. To yeah. fit, they're straight up fucking yeah, now lying. They just make shit now up. they're just yeah. making shit up, right? So this narrative, and, and I hope people in, in Ireland are listening, because this narrative that white cops are hunting down young black men and killing them is fucking not true. It's not even close to <laughs> true, you know? Um, and all this Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter only matter when it's a white cop or a white person killing. Like, the the black-on-black crime in Chicago, your hometown, every weekend, people are getting murdered. Black black kids are getting murdered by other black kids, and nobody gives a fuck. Black Lives Matter don't care, Antifa don't care, Joe fucking Biden doesn't care. Nobody, there was an 11-year-old shot there a while ago, and deliberately shot, not accidentally, executed, because some drug dealer was trying to get at his father. So he executed an 11-year-old child. Nobody batted an eye. Nobody fucking cares. So spare me the fucking outrage. It's all bullshit. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go ahead. Well, what's funny about exactly what you're saying is, and it's almost this play on. <laughs> we kind of chatted a little bit about white guilt. Yeah. Right. Oh. They almost know that the white community, right, and I'm using it loosely, uh, is 
they know that there's going to be a reaction from them, mm-hmm. right? And they know that in the black community, there is no reaction, right? Maybe one or two people, old school people, are, are like upset that black people are killing black people. But for the most part, they're just like, just another day, mm-hmm. right? But then this like white on black thing kind of happens. And even if it, it happens uh, loosely, right? Like, I don't know what was going on through that officer's mind when he was kneeling on him. I didn't think he, I don't know, right? I'm just going to go ahead and say that he didn't think that dude was going to die. He was going to put his knee on him, get the cuffs, throw him in the car, mm-hmm. everyday arrest, right? Because that happens often. It's actually in their policy that you can put neck restraints on people, right? It's not I've, a choke. I've actually done it on range, and so yeah. is Mike. We, we, we drop a knee on a guy because you can control a suspect yeah. and flex cuff him very, very easily, you know? And I'm not excusing his actions. Right. He should have known better, right. um, but but it, he's probably made a... How many arrests you made in your life? Over over 200. Yeah, yeah. You've probably done that quite a bit, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, let's set the stage for the context of the, the conversation. and. You know, George Floyd is a guy. He was he, he got killed. Minneapolis, Minnesota is the place. Um, uh, black chief of police. Yep. Right. Um, Demo- Democrat chief of police. Democrat mayor. Yeah. Yep. Just Democrat the political con- control context. City. Yep. It is. It's there's an inner city there. There is poverty in that in that inner city, like many places across the U.S. Uh, May 25th, this officer, who's a, a you know a career police officer, he mm-hmm. he had lots of experience. Um, he did have several complaints. After he puts his knee on him, and I think the 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 studied answer is four minutes and eighteen seconds or something like that, mm-hmm. um, an excessive amount of time. Yep. Uh, he puts his knee on him. The original call was I think people are saying it's check fraud, but it, it wasn't check fraud because I, I read the I saw the interview with the the owner of the store that was being interviewed who said he tried to pass off a fake twenty dollar bill, and he said that George Floyd might not even have known it was a fake $20 bill. But you actually saw a report that George Floyd had been arrested. He, he did five years in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe the charge the was... Home invasion. Home think, invasion, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's, he's got a past history. In fact, uh, the, some of the officers that were on the scene, I think one of them used to work with George Floyd at the nightclub uh, doing security. So he had a security background. This is a big man. George Floyd's not a small guy. He's a big guy. And they, it, there's a video of them pulling him out of the car. And he doesn't appear to be resisting arrest or doing anything that would warrant um, being uh, putting hands on or mm-hmm. even being forceful. At some point, they get him on the ground. And there's like a gap in the video. But four police officers are on him in one point in the video. One pulls off, three are on top of him. And then they get him into this circumstance where the officer that was charged with murder, which is third-degree murder, I don't even know what that is. And manslaughter. Is that like manslaughter? It must be like a a murder charge. I, I won't even speculate. So third degree murder was the yeah. charge. Murder is just a little different in the sense that once kind of it happened because of actions, but they weren't intentional. It's like if I hit somebody with my car, yeah. the yeah. initial charge is going to be homi- or it's going to be um, manslaughter. Yeah. And then you get figured out in court, like, well, how fast were you going? Did that person accidentally trip and fall? Yeah. Was he, you know, screwing his wheel on, fell backwards, see, you ran him over? See, that's what I would All get. those like, things play like the, a factor. The LA riots in 1992. They, they, those uh, LAPD that beat that guy, right, with mm-hmm. their sticks on, they all got off, right? Which this should have got prosecuted, right? It was very blatantly over, over. Uh, and it started the, uh, the 92 riots. Yeah, the 92 riots. But this, 
the, that police officer was charged. He's going to go to prison. I mean, yeah. he's going yeah. to, to well, probably go to prison, right? Potentially. So being, you can be charged with anything. Yeah. And then in the courts, it gets mitigated and figured out, mm-hmm. right? So he, he can be charged with like first degree homicide where it's like, and I'm purposefully trying to murder you and I premeditatively planned it, all that. Uh, and then it, the information gets funneled through the court system and they realize they find out more and more and more that it was changed the charge mm-hmm. it changes the charge yeah so, so he you got be, you can be charged with anything he got third degree murder which is uh, i have it here it's defined as killing someone unintentionally and not done as part of the commitment of another felony another term for the murder is homicide third degree murders are those committed with ill will or in other words malice so it's mm-hmm. just an intentional malice homicide and manslaughter yeah so he get anyway he gets charged after they initially were fired and and what people don't understand is despite the circumstances in which he killed uh, George Floyd which has now been determined on scene he, he didn't have a pulse according to EMS in the ambulance mm-hmm. meaning when they rolled him on the uh, gurney and put him in so he died right there um, the initial uh, report from the autopsy was that there was underlying health conditions etc the family thus pulled him, got an independent report that said he was a homicide uh, as asphyxiation. He dies. That's what happens. So I thought I, thought I, I read one recently, um, for the private one from the family, that said it was cardiac arrest uh, induced by the arrest, but they also found fentanyl and methamphetamines in his system, which could have amplified the heart to collapse, yeah. where if he maybe didn't have those things, the heart wouldn't have failed him at that point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole bunch of variables there, yeah. right? Right. Um, bottom line is he would have died if the cop didn't put his knee on the back of his neck. But again, that's part of their protocol. That's what they do. Um, the one of the things I saw in the statute was, or in the in the in the law, or not law, the guide, whatever you guys get. What is it? The SOP for like the laws for the state for for what you could do on restraint, like the policy. Sh- the policy. Yeah. yeah. The policy. It said that you could do it when the the suspect's being combative. Um, and you're using it to restrain them. Well, he was in handcuffs. Mm-hmm. He's on his belly, and he's not moving. But he he keeps his knee there, and there's a group that gathers. There's an Asian police officer who tries to block them, and they say, get off his neck, which is which is obviously one of the reasons that this has com- been so compounded, is that they're begging, saying, get off his neck. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get off his neck. He passes away, which infuriates a lot of people, including, I don't think it, it I don't think anybody who sees that video is not angry and upset. Right. Like 99.9% of Americans are are with you, right? That was fucking excessive force, and that night needs to fucking get punished, right? Uh, it, it was. It was. Uh, you lo- you lose me when you start burning places. We'll, we'll get there. Let's, so four yeah. of them get arrested. Mm-hmm. Days later, they get charged, and now we get to the point in which, like before training started, mm-hmm. violent protesters started mm-hmm. doing things mm-hmm. and the videos are rampant um violence against a black officer a federal officer in oakland was killed yeah um a guy was beaten to death uh, a business owner trying to defend his business there was a video of a, a white woman who was beat uh by one of the assailants who just pummeled her she was a 50 60 years old uh, the list goes on so we're seeing this now yeah um and then all in the name of um the movement, Black Lives Matter, are these protests taking place, but there's a lot of people in the media who are saying, uh, and celebrities who are saying, it's justified because it's just a way of relinquishing um, anger 
and frustration. So, Raul, somebody who's, who grew up in the inner city, yeah, and you've seen what the violence looks like in the inner city. Last week, fiscal week, seven days, 17 people were killed in the inner city of Chicago, mostly in Austin, which we've talked about before in the town of or the inner city neighborhood of Austin. Um, what's your take on what you're seeing? So violence is it's almost like an everyday thing there in those pockets right like i said earlier everybody thinks it's everywhere um, and it isn't it's very isolated and it's almost become like uh what is it when people do something for long enough it becomes something like a, of a habit or you get used Habitual, to it yeah, yeah, yeah it just becomes mm -hmm. something you're used to you're like oh another one routine oh, yeah. and, oh here here comes a holiday guess what's going to happen this holiday mm -hmm. or here comes friday night guess what's happening this night or here comes paycheck night and what's going to happen this night? Mm -hmm. um, there's there's some for, forecasting we can do. What we were doing as law enforcement, like it's the second weekend of the month. So everybody's getting paid or everybody's getting their checks. There's going to be violence. So we put more officers out. So it's something that you can pick up trends um, as it was going. But it was like I, we, we mentioned it all the time. It's so isolated. But now it's erratic and it's everywhere. And now it's not just black on black. Now it's black on white, black on Hispanic, Hispanic on black. Now it's become this thing and it wasn't that before. So that's where it gets tricky, right? Because now you have, so the way Chicago is, is it has a bunch of little pockets of, and it's not racially segregated, but people live amongst their people, right? Mm -hmm. The Polish community lives with Polish people, the Germans live with Germans, and everybody's mixed in between there because housing is a pain in the ass in a six million person city, right? Mm -hmm. So now you have, one race going into the other looting burning and hurting people uh that wasn't something that was happening and that's what's catching everybody off guard right everyone's used to the black on black crime uh not that it should be something normal but it, it it's uh, unfortunately it's normal there uh and now we're getting fluxes of of what what some of my friends were telling me uh, uh an all-out race war like it's, mm -hmm. they're calling it almost like open season blacks can kill whoever uh, the Hispanics are like, well, we're not going to let you kill us. Mm -hmm. So you come near us, we're going to fucking kill you. And then I don't really know what the the white community is doing because they're just <laughs> either they're riddled with guilt or they're just afraid. And I don't know why they should be. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, it's funny. Some some white kid told me that I should be ashamed of not supporting the whole thing. And I'm like, I'm first generation American, dude. Like yeah. I didn't even speak English first. Mm -hmm. I spoke Spanish first. Mm -hmm. Then I learned English. And then I served the country. Like I yeah. understood my role because I embraced the country. Yeah. And I think the problem is nobody's really embracing the country. They're embracing identities that are force fed to them by news agencies that have um, mm -hmm. agendas, right? So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, I want to get Kevin to your perspective on it too, because wow. we look at this situation and what I see is uneducated people mm -hmm. who bought into uh, a headline, right? Yeah. And that's driving their behavior, right? Because they're picking up their. Their signs are picking up, uh, you know, their their propaganda to be able to message to the world their identity, right? Yeah. It's a persona now. Mm -hmm. So you have people living these personas. I, I had many people DM me this morning telling me I was a bigot and all this stuff. Yeah. And and I look at their page and they're all, it's a white kid from the suburbs yeah. who's got a fist, raising a fist with a black mask saying Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. and burn them down to the ground. And, and I, you know, we talked about this last night or yesterday driving back. When you look at the evidence of the current situation that the United States is in, you have a CNN correspondent like Don Lemon, Anderson Cooper, who who will say something as egregious as 
you know, they're hunting black men in the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a systemic racial issue and divide in our country. Yet a large population of police officers in the inner cities are black. Mm-hmm. A large population of chiefs and sheriffs and government officials and democratically held uh, cities and states are African-American. So, and then we're pointing the finger at Trump. Like now Trump's the problem because we're violently protesting against Trump. It's very convoluted. There's mm-hmm. too many things for people to wrap their head around. And we, we try to justify it by many, any means necessary on each side. What, what's your stance on these people who are committing acts of violence in the name of Black Lives Matter? Yeah, I, I kicked in Walmart or Target's window and I stole a TV for George. You know what I mean? That's bullshit, right? So the mob, like I grew up at riots. I, I fucking grew up. I've been in riots on both sides of the fucking shield, believe it or not, right? <laughs> um, and um, the mob has a mind of its own, right? Mm. It's like a living organism. But instigators in that organism, everybody else is sheep. And then you have very specific Antifa and people like that in there, stirring people up and getting them moving and getting things done and handing out bricks and getting, trying to go after yeah. police officers and, oh, excessive force, excessive force, this police officer hit me with a stick. You know how scared those cops are? Standing on that line with their own citizens throwing shit at yeah. them and fucking flipping them off and fucking shooting them in the back of the head at point blank range. Cops are people, man. They're, yeah. they're there and they're trying to do a job, right? But if you're if you're a most of those mob mentality are sheep and if you're a fucking loser in life you always have to blame somebody else we've all seen it mm-hmm. losers always blame somebody else so it's trump or it's fucking the economy or mommy didn't hug me when i was a kid you know the white you know? race the white the, the the man is keeping me down you know what i mean white guilt fucking oh you know we we we, we did this or we did that but a loser always blames somebody else instead of looking in the mirror and taking responsibility for yourself and, and manning the fuck up. Yeah. So most of those people are sheep. They're being led by scumbags who want to drag America down and burn it to the ground. They really, and they're being egged on by a fucking media that want to burn it to the ground. The far left in this country wants to burn America to the ground. They will burn it down as long as they get to rule the ashes. Yeah. So. This narrative that oh, America's a racist, there's never, ever, ever been a time that's been better to live in America than now, yeah. regardless of what race you are. But um, they're spinning this narrative that has got a complete lie and and it, it, it's working, man. I look, I look at the riots in the streets and that's just shit I grew up with and it fucking hurts me, man. It really does. I see uh, Trump came out yesterday on, on our drive and put out a speech where he said, essentially, we are not going to allow this to happen. Mm-hmm. We're not going to allow innocent people. And yeah. a lot of governments internally um, made the decision to allow riots to take place and the violence to take place without policing it. Yeah. Uh, more more so for the public perception, right, than anything. Yeah. But but the government's position is to defend innocent yeah, life your job. And, yeah, yeah. and law-abiding citizens to serve and protect. Mm-hmm. But they, they weren't doing that. And, you know, we... we we always advocate for you're, you are your own first response based on the window in which things happen that are bad, but also the time in which police can respond. Mm-hmm. But when police just check out completely, oh yeah, because um, institutions are managed. People don't understand like most law enforcement agencies are managed by policy that drives laws that dictate operations and policy at the uh, at the uh, uh, enforcement level. Like a, a chief is, 
is put in position. Uh, a sheriff is publicly elected. And, and so there is a tie to politics and per, uh, perception. And all the things that happen down to the lowest point at the institution aren't in, aren't, shouldn't be looked at as like in, individuals. It's a culture. And so when the culture checks out because they say we're not going to defend life and people rampantly take advantage of that where innocent people are killed, what's the burden of responsibility on the institution? I mean, yep. in sh- Chicago, before you guys left, I saw the news story yeah. where shit was getting burned down on the ground. And we, we, we almost weren't going to be able to get out if we would have stayed another day or two because it's just getting worse. But just to piggyback on what you were saying, which I think people need to know this. Um, there are agencies, so law enforcement agencies have one of two things, right? They have an elected official, and this is where we get all the cool sheriffs saying, like, hey, get your guns. Mm-hmm. If they come in your house, blast them. These are, like, dude, these are the highest authority in that land. Doesn't the sheriff have more authority, like, than, than almost anybody in that county? He has equal authority to, like, any political um, person who has been elected. Okay. Because the people chose him. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So he, he he responds specifically for the people, which is really unique. It's really a great yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like having a politician slash law enforcement guy in the same in the same office, yeah. right? So it's neat. Uh, where bigger agencies, uh, they're politically moved into positions, right? One's an elected position and the other one's an appointed position. Mm-hmm. So if we really like this guy and he's going to be the chief of police for Chicago, well, let's, let's move a guy in that we can manipulate, right? Yeah. So so usually they have ties with the mayor or they don't, right? And that's how you get conflict between a big office and a smaller office. But those are still just players in this whole thing, right? And you see it. You see it now with the excessive riots in areas that are governed by appointed guys, mm-hmm. appointed chiefs. That's kind of where everybody's hands off. Oh, just let it fucking burn because yeah. I don't want to lose my position because I'm getting paid six figures to fucking just answer to the mayor, mm. right? Something like that. Versus the, the, the sheriffs that are like, arm your shit, get your shit together. We will protect our stuff. And, yeah. and, and that's because of those two aspects. One is very much for the people. They understand the needs of the people. And then the other one is just a political player in the whole grand scheme of things. So yeah, yeah. people just need to know the difference between where you live. So if you want to make decisions, better decisions, move to areas that have sheriffs, people that are elected by the people and not um, not just pawns in the game. Mm, yeah, puppets. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I, I mean, when we when I, I saw Trump say what he said, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, as a I guess I'm military-minded. We yeah. all are. That's what... Yeah. Maybe the foundation where we come from, the the consequence of no action, mm-hmm. of him not saying we will not tolerate this, um, could be spun in any direction. But let's take the spin out of it, the media out of it, would be the right thing to do. You have to you create. Have to. You have to stop mm-hmm. the violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I don't understand is like when I see the media spinning. I mean, I do understand it, but when I see the media spinning it, nobody pays attention in the media to the victims of the people who are being killed by thugs. These are yeah. criminals. Yeah, dude. Like yeah. A, a good person, right, is, especially if we're looking at the complexities of policing and the flaws that we deal with in, in society, they're very complex. You can't just check one block and be accomplished. It, it takes a lot of work. But nobody wants to do the work that's necessary. So we focus on the uh, bait, we focus on the headline that implements these people to come out and protest with no solution. I mean, if you ask any of these people what's the solution, 
what's burned down what we mm-hmm. have. Yeah. Right? Our own neighborhood. Our own neighborhood. Our own and wonder why nobody will invest in right. our neighborhood. You exactly. know? Yeah. 19% of all law enforcement in the U.S. are veterans. Mm-hmm. A large percentage of law enforcement in the communities that are in the inner center are African American mm-hmm. and minorities, including Asians, including uh, Hispanics. Mm-hmm. And so, if, if the, I have problem with calling it a race because I don't know what white is. Right? When somebody says black lives matter, you're telling me that no other lives matter besides your race. Yeah. And which what is, is a racist statement. Which is a racist is. statement. So, fucking yeah. so what outside of outside of a color code to determine culture, what is a white race? Kevin Owens is is you're from Ireland. You're a first generation Irishman. I'm an American. Yeah. I'm an right? American so, right now. I'm not an Irish American. I'm a freaking American. Yeah, so right? it, because yeah. your skin's white, that means you fall into a category of being mm-hmm. privileged. Yeah. You have you've had no privilege or yeah. you know, and so you you and you see these people. The most disgusting thing to me is the white people who are coming out and they're saying how dare us? Mm-hmm. How yeah. dare us do what we do? I know. Everybody came to this country as immigrants. Mm-hmm. We all immigrated this country. Yeah. You want to talk about oppression? Native Americans are the most oppressed yeah. fucking race on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They live in shitholes. The, the, the uh, Navajo got a shit deal. Uh, uh, they get in, they got the worst fucking lands possible. Mm-hmm. They're dying uh, by the thousands of fucking suicide, drugs, obesity, and the list goes on. Everybody's lives matter. And I don't understand the divide in why... You could blanket statement everybody who's white and say you're what's wrong. Yeah. You mean the immigrant who came from Italy, the Jew who came from Israel, they're white? Mm-hmm. No, they're they're multicultural and they have their own cultures. Mm-hmm. And and and, his, and systemically this becomes the issue, which is we're not digging deep enough into the conversation and realizing what's wrong. Policies might be wrong, right? Culture and institutions might be wrong, but one white guy. Right, that is like people say. Well, it's not just white; it's a systemic issue. Point to me the issues because Black Lives Matter started off of three circumstances, which only one, which is the cop who shot the guy in the back. Uh, I believe his last name was. I don't think it was Brown. It was the. I can't remember what his name. I saw the video. Horrific, right? He gets mm-hmm. in this confrontation. The guy runs away and he guns him down and shoots him in the back. Mm-hmm. But the other one, where the the guy goes into a convenience store. He winds up basically sticking the place up. He punches the cop in his patrol car and assaults him, and he's fighting for his life, and he gets shot. Anyways, the Black Lives Matter movement started off false pretense in the first place, yeah. Yeah. And, and and saying it's systemic. What's so systemic about yeah. what's happening? Yeah, I have to laugh at Joe Biden, you know? Oh, when I'm elected, I'll... I'll, I'll... Put all these reforms in. Fucker, you were the vice president for eight years. Nearly a, a decade. Bl- what did you do? president. And you did What shit. did you do except line your own fucking pockets, man? Yeah. Stop. I, I think the task, I think the scheme of maneuver here is you do have on one side, the Democratic side, the opportunity to in, incite uh, chaos. Because mm-hmm. if you have that you're accumulating the vote on one end, right? Mm-hmm. If CNN, which I read the headlines, I, I do that for Fox and for CNN. It's funny because the, the Fox headlines read um, all the violent acts of protesters and what they did. The killing. Look, there's a there's a Las Vegas police officer right now in a coma on life support mm-hmm. who was shot in the head execution style by a looter. Another police officer was shot and injured. 
the headline for Fox News will say that this is what happened. Violent protests are, are continuing to happen. And the other side of that are saying that uh, Trump spins the, the uh, uh, protesters into chaos. It's his fault. Oh, yeah. Right? Everything so his fault. Yeah. You, you have to accumulate a, a, a section of the population to be on your side. And the more extreme you are, the more likely you are to bring them on your side mm-hmm. because you're creating the divide. And, and unintelligent people who don't understand the complexities of these issues just go with what they see in yeah. media. Right, this kid who just contacted me, called me a bigot. What's his perception of being a bigot? Yeah. He has no. He doesn't understand the insides of that police department. He doesn't understand law enforcement and policing. He doesn't know statistics and data. So everything he's doing is based off emotion. You know, yeah. Raul, you talked about emotion being brought into this. That's the thing, causing some of these issues. Absolutely, and I mean, you're saying it all without saying specifically. And education does have a big role in how emotional you are. The better educated you are, the smarter you are, the better you process information, the less emotional of a reaction you give to situations, right? Because you learn to process that information. Well, you learn like, okay, well, maybe I should see it from a a different angle, a bigger perspective. What was the other side seeing? And I I always play devil's advocate because it's a way for me to pull off of the initial emotional knee-jerk reaction and then try to see the big picture Mm -hmm. and then the even bigger picture. And then, well, fuck, how would that affect somebody in fucking Brazil looking at what we're doing. Uh, I was talking to a guy in Brazil and he's like, dude, I'm so sorry about what's happening in America. I'm like, well, what's happening in America in your opinion? He's like, well, everything's fucking burning. Well, everything isn't burning, but it's going to shit real fast. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not there yet. Uh, But it's similar to what you were saying. Certain perceptions of what's happening is is that. Um, So uh, if you're emotionally compromised and, and we see this in poverty, right? Poverty also leads to less education, leads to more violence, Mm -hmm. leads to I walk up to you, I bump you with my shoulder in a shitty community where there's already less education because people are fixated on having material things instead of education, let's say, right? I need to have the new Nikes versus I need to get a fucking college degree. Education. I bump a guy on the shoulder there. He wants to fight and fucking shoot me and rob me. And it's very different than if I'm walking down Michigan Avenue and I bump into a guy with a suit. He turns around. He didn't cause any of this issue. And he's like, oh, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Right? It's very different, right? My emotions aren't compromised. I'm still willing to give you uh, a response that shows you that, yes, I was involved. It wasn't me that bumped you, but I'll still apologize, mm-hmm. right? It's that emotional intelligence, man. And that's what's lacking in a lot of uh, lower income, less educated, um, less parent invested families. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nobody wants to look at that, right? Nobody wants to it talk has about to be it. somebody else's fault. Yeah. Like the kids looting and being assholes, mm-hmm. that's your fucking parents' fault yeah. because they didn't educate you well. And maybe it was your parents' fault before that. Yeah. They didn't educate you well. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, though, you need to be fucking. You need to take accountability for the fact that only you can pursue how much better your life is going to be. Yeah. Nobody's going to come and make you smarter. Uh, I can't yeah. read a book and put it in your fucking head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like those are the things that you need to do, and that's what's failing uh, America as a whole. We're being, we're becoming uh, comfortable and okay with the idea that just being fucking meh is okay, mm. right? That, that goes back to everybody gets a fucking trophy, man. Once yeah. upon a time, only the fucking winners I got know, trophies, yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, now everybody gets. A, recognition awards for fucking what mm-hmm. Ugh, dude it's yeah yeah, yeah. The, fuck um, what what would you do kev if you're a business owner and you're you're standing in front of your business and guys show up white and black it doesn't matter right you're in ski mask with a fucking brick in your hand you're a violent offender 
I don't look at you in any color scheme. And they chuck a brick at your head, right? Or, or like in this video, this guy's husband was behind her and he lets her get pummeled. I don't know why. He's, he's holding a two-by-four. But his spouse, it, you know, outside of what color she is, she's getting assaulted and, and beaten. Like, there's a gentleman who's almost beaten to death. There's another gentleman that was beaten to death. Yeah. Guys drug out of their semi-trucks like Reginald Denny yeah. in 92. Mm -hmm. Like, you're a law-abiding citizen. You have an inherent right to defend yourself. What do you do? Well, uh, you know, you, you, you started saying it earlier on. We, we've always said you're, you're your own force response. And that was, that was based on the cops will get there when they can get there, right? That might be 10, 15 minutes. And some of these cities, cops ain't coming because the Democrat law, the governor, or, or not the governor, the mayor said, stand down, let him go, right? So I will defend myself. I, I, I know exactly what I would do. And um, like I've said, I've war gamed all this. I've done it for years and years and years. And you want to come burn my shit to the ground and assault my family? Uh, I'm, we're we're, we're going to go to work. Yeah, very very quickly. Absolutely, because we both have that fr that right, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I made I made a decision to come fuck with you. Yeah. Guess what, dude? I'm going to fuck with you back. Mm -hmm. There's no there's no okay. You do what you want, and mm -hmm. then everybody that's like, oh, it's just property. Oh, let it burn. No, motherfucker. When you put that fire out the next day and that building is ashes, that's a representation of a failed economy based on the people within. Yeah. So all of that isn't just like, oh, let's just burn some shit. It just it can be replaced. Uh, and again, it's be, it comes from people not taking responsibility for shit, but that's embarrassing. Mm. I was going to say this earlier. The cops that are there are so emotionally charged at these riots uh, and trying to keep everything calm. Because guess what? One of those dudes probably lives in that neighborhood. He doesn't want that shit fucked up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're yeah. also emotionally invested. They're from the city. Uh, in Chicago specifically, you have to live in Chicago to be a Chicago cop. Mm -hmm. You can't be from the suburbs. Mm -hmm. So you have to live there. So in one way, shape, or form, the city that you live in is getting fucked and affected. Is that so, so you're emotionally invested? That's in, why they're yeah. so emotionally invested. But mm -hmm. people don't know that. They think yeah. they, they bring in fucking foreigners to come fight here. That's not what it is. These are the same dudes that shop at the same convenience stores yeah. as you. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're there in the community with you. And you, there's still people being fucking assholes. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'll piggyback on that. If I had a shop and somebody was coming, I'd look them dead in the eye. The next decision you make is the next decision I make. Yeah. So either you walk on by... When you fucking don't walk very yeah. long. I, I think when you deal with this for years and years and years, you have a, you have a, a line basically in your head, right? So like, I remember being on a, a gun truck in, in Iraq in 05 in Mosul. And Mike, you, I think you're in Afghanistan in 05, but um, hundreds of IEDs every single day, vehicle-borne IEDs that would drive right up on you and detonate. Yeah. So you, you put a bubble around your vehicle and anybody that comes inside that bubble, right or wrong, is getting hooked up because that that's just the, the the situation you put me in so i i, I have that bubble in my head still and uh, there's a line you step across with hostile intent I, yeah. I, i'm going to drop you and that's just the way it is yeah in, in theory dude if you're the protector of the family or the business you're the first and last line of defense right no mm -hmm. matter how much family training you want to do and you're going to talk to your wife about what to do next they don't have the emotional maturity that guys like us have where like us three are walking down and we're defending some shit and you get shot mm -hmm. well fuck i'm gonna fix the problem which yeah. are the dudes fucking with us mm -hmm. then i'm gonna patch you up but i'm not gonna 
become emotionally compromised and fall to the ground because Kevin's fucking dead. Mm-hmm. I'm like, sorry, brother, I'm going to finish this. We'll yep. come get you. We're there with you. We need to finish this because then we're both going to die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But your wife, your 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 son, they don't have that kind of experience, right? You've mm-hmm. seen dudes get killed. We've picked up bodies. We've mm-hmm. done all that. Our families haven't, right? Which is a luxury for them. Yeah. I hope they never have to do that. Uh, but if I go down. This is why I need to be preemptive almost. Like, fuck, this needs to happen now. Uh, because if I go down, she's not going to pick up my gun and get into the fight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She's yeah. going to start sobbing. Like, oh, fuck, Roll mm-hmm. just got fucked. Like, what do I do next? And then they're just going to come in and terrorize everything. Yeah. Uh, so you're more than just your first responder, man. You're fucking, you're the first and last you line. Are. So get you your are. shit together. I, I think hopefully this is all going to end very, very quickly because America is better than this. But once this is over to me the whole gun control debate is gone don't try to come take my ar-15 now yeah. when you're when you're telling police departments to stand down yeah. while fucking scumbags burn shit to the ground hell no nope. you know that shit's over with you know but the way i think about it I, yeah i need that well it's a testament too these dudes are, are dudes and chicks and whoever the fuck's running around burning shit and breaking things they're not doing it with guns mm-hmm. so what the fuck do you need my guns for yeah you know what yeah, i mean exactly they're still yeah. killing people with two by fours they're killing people with bricks they're kicking yeah. people's faces in mm-hmm. on national television but it's a gun problem like yeah, fuck no it isn't dude yeah. and this can't be another excuse for that fucking bullshit yeah I, what i don't understand is i'm you know i'm looking at some of the abc headlines and just trying to get an idea of kind of the the way in which people perceive the culture. And there's a, it says thousands of protesters march at Black Lives Matter rally in Nova Scotia, right? And everybody's raising their fist. And the problem I have is we know what oppression looks like. We know what racism, real racism Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. You know, in this country, there was inherent racism, but that same racism that existed here existed all over the world. In Africa, which I've been to recently, they still have slaves. Mm. They are the most racist people. I mean, Arabs in Africa use blacks from all over Africa as slaves. Mm. Um, what's that one little country we call them? Uh, the, the Asian guys. Uh, they're all over Africa. Uh, we call them from Bangladesh. Mm. They're all over uh, Africa. And they're used as slaves by Africans. And it's like a hierarchy of social class mm. and labor. Right, mm-hmm. the labor force is that, mm-hmm. and so when you when you say something like, "We have a inherent systematic racism and civil rights issue in America," I, I grasp the context by looking at our entire situation, not just by looking at one person on one person, but by looking at let's look at the Minneapolis Police Department as a start point. How many reports of incidents? that involve race. What's the evidence to say that this police officer was racist before we blanket a statement and say the United States is racist as a whole? Now, the most, and we had talked about this. Look, I grew up in Bethune, I grew up across the street from Bethune-Cookman College, a black university. 90% of all the, the, the uh, schools I went to were populated by African-Americans. <clears throat> my best friends in the world were black. I have black pe- people in my family uh, my uncle's black. My cousins are black. And when I look at races across the board and their pockets of them individually being who they are, those pockets are the most racist pockets that exist. Right? Mm-hmm. My Asians are 
inherently racist against the Japanese because of the years and years of oppression from the invasion of the Japanese. Um, and, the, and the list goes on. So racism inherently exists as a fabric of just people. But to say that we, are, we have a civil rights issue, that you don't have the same opportunity as me, is completely false. And I don't, I don't get that. Yeah, that's bullshit. Well, you grew up in you grew up. Look, you're talking. This is a podcast with an Irishman, an Asian dude, and a fucking Mexican. I'm I'm American. (laughs) I mean, we're all American with with backgrounds from other countries that one embrace this as our country, right? And two, don't put fault on anyone else but ourselves in the pursuit of our betterment, Mm -hmm. right? So it's nobody's fault that I failed at this, but my own. I had nothing when I came to this country. I I barely have anything now, but still, I'm still alive. Now, one of the the issues I see here is, it's like where do we go from here, right? So you have you have people who, I just, it, it bums me out because I see all these people protesting, right? And I go, man, if you were only protesting for the right reasons, yeah. you could affect real change. Big time. Like if if a thousand protests uh, protesters showed up at, at the board of directors or the you know the the committee that controlled education in the state of Minneapolis. Uh, Minnesota, and and you went there with the intention of changing the policy in education to make sure that we got educated. When so many African Americans, so many so many minorities are failing to complete high school, which is setting them up for failure in the first place, then it could actually make a tangible change, yeah. right, in the inner city. But when you say something blanket, uh, generalized, like everybody is racist, right? <laughs> when when we know because we've worked with these institutions, and, and Raul, you work in the institution, yeah. that there are bad people everywhere. Um, I don't see that there's a civil rights issue in the country. Right. I, I just don't see it. And the country in which we live now, we have so many means of accountability. Social media, our cell phones, the video, uh, uh, to be able to push that message throughout. You can't get away with shit. Mm-hmm. You can't even piss in the woods without somebody paying attention. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the idea is there's an underground or underlined racist uh, society that exists bothers me because it's not based in facts, it's not based in science, it's not based in evidence. And so we're making emotional-based decisions, which leads you to violence. If violence is the end state of these people's goals, then the race war is inevitable. Right. But if, if legislation and real change is the means to change what they think is wrong, then, then we're somewhere. But how can you even start that if you, don't, if you can't even have a conversation because the person's screaming in your face or hitting you in the head with a brick saying that there's an underlying issue that it's too late. We, we've already reached, reached the, the, the end. And, and the only answer is to burn down the society that we live in, which is the reason why... The propaganda that exists in media, uh, the the Hollywood actors from their mansion who yeah. incite violence and bail yeah. out protesters that mm-hmm. were violent, uh, ends us up going in circles and circles for no but, reason. But but you know there's so many good people in America. All those freaking Hollywood actors need to be shunned after this is all over. Fucking shun them, you know, from their from their their ivory tower. You know, telling people what to do. You know, it's funny. I. I uh, Right before I left my last job in the army, I was going through um, like uh, scholarship things for my daughter, right? Trying to get her into college. And 
I had a list of them. My captain was looking over my shoulder and he was like, what about those ones down there? And I'm like, I, my, my daughter can't apply for them because of the color of her skin. They're, they're racist sites because they were for a minority zone. And he was like, what? He didn't get it. I was saying, that's the definition of racism. My daughter cannot get these scholarships because of the color of her skin. That's racism. Yeah. And, and he just didn't make the connection. But it is, you know. Um, well, everybody thinks racism is one-sided. That's yeah, the yeah, fucking problem. Yeah, yeah, when you yeah. hear racism, you think uh, whites against blacks. Mm -hmm. Dude, it's blacks against whites. Yeah, you know? it's everything. <laughs> it's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we've all been oppressed in our own ways. I mean, uh, we could speak upon oppression of, of our people, of yeah. Koreans, mm -hmm. of Asians. Irish people coming to this country. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were slaves for the pioneers. Mm -hmm. we were, I mean, we our, our place in society was at the very bottom. Me and you built the railroad, Mike. We did. We did. Look how that's working out. We're still using it. Um, I mean, Mexican-Americans. Yeah. Uh, Hispanic-Americans. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude, we this was Mexico yeah. at one point. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. no longer Mexico mm -hmm. because we, we had a war. Yep. And we were stringing fucking Mexicans up. Yep. I mean, you, yeah. the, you could... I, I hate it because I look at it and I go, man, no one person on this earth today is responsible for the tragedy and the decision-making in whatever context from their ancestors. Mm. You're not responsible for your fucking ancestors. Right. I don't owe you anything. I don't yeah. fucking owe you anything. And so when we line out these problems and we're not willing to address them, like I, I, I can't wrap my head around, okay, how do we fix this? Well, one officer that was white killed a black person. Yes, has it happened before? Yes, has there been racist cops? Yes. But I could make the argument for every single facet of that. I could yeah. probably find a black officer who killed a white suspect. Oh, yeah. I yeah. could probably it find... all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and so my, my thing is, like, I can't even... Since you don't have the information there to wrap your head around a problem that I think was manufactured, then what do you do? But just continue to be a good person mm -hmm. and, and not perpetuate the lies. Like, I saw some good people on social media that were posting the black lies, like black... What is it called? A Blackout Tuesday. Okay, so what are we going to do now? So our own persona and identity in this is posting a social media post that says Blackout Tuesday. Because only on Tuesday, when I post, does it matter. Yeah. Right? That's Red Friday. Remember, everybody deployed on Friday. But don't worry about it any other time. Hmm. How about we fucking come to the table and figure out a way and means to actually change? Like, get involved in politics. You want real change? Well, how do you vote? Have you voted? Do you want to vote? Do you know your general election do you know your your local and state elections do you know the pol politicians who are in charge have you looked at cnn and, and seen who it's owned by i mean the 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 apparatuses that you gain your information from where you take things uh head on i saw an instagram post this morning it was a gladiator it was a black truck that was pulled into a police station where they were emptying two police officers in boston were emptying the bricks out of that black truck the black truck had numbers that were obviously looked like they were photoshopped on top of the vehicle to make it look like it was police officers who were unloading or loading bricks at an unspecified location because they were part of the actors, the deep system, mm -hmm. the deep state that were uh, manufacturing the rights because the riots are manufactured. I looked at that group and then I looked at the comments. Thousands of comments of people going, I knew it. Mm. I freaking knew it. Fuck. Who, who look at one post and go, oh my God, that, that just justified everything. And then they go out and they, they do their own post and they perpetuate even like Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. which is it's 
you have black intelligent people telling you black lives matter isn't an intelligent way in which to change the status of black people in america mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um and and but nobody will listen to it and i don't know you have an idea like where do we affect change where do we what's the start point you can't fix stupid man yeah. and, and there's there's a lot of fucking stupid people out there but there's a lot of smart people who know exactly what they're doing and they're trying to burn this country to the ground uh, and we we just can't let it happen you know you know about cnn i, I just i just thought of something when i was in when i was in somalia in 94 there was a reporter in mogadishu with us who was doing a live report back to cnn live this is like a long time ago right fake news and her satellite phone went down and she came to us, we were contractors, and she asked us to use our satellite phone because she was going live talking about the situation in Mogadishu. We we're like, yeah, go ahead. Before she went in, she came back and said, can you guys fire your guns in the air while I'm online so it sounds like there's a gun battle going on? Fuck. CNN, man. Jeez. Freaking 30 years ago, whatever that was. Yeah. yeah. Don't believe it. They're full of shit. Yeah, let's let's uh, evolve this conversation and talk about, there was an active, there's been several active shootings that have been, been uh, reported. There's one actually in Phoenix. Mm. Um, well, not Phoenix. It was the the suburbs of Phoenix where a, a young kid um, said he was going to get his gun on. He has, he has his AR-15. He documents this on social media. He goes in. He actually uh, wounds a 19-year-old, uh, wounds another woman, which we saw that video where she's laying mm-hmm. on the ground begging for her life. And then um, they take him into custody, right? Because he says he was bullied and then he wanted to get payback documents this on social media because he wants probably attention mm-hmm. uh, and then he doesn't follow through meaning he doesn't do any uh killing of a lot of people he didn't even aim the gun he's walking with his phone and he's holding the gun at his hip shooting in the mall super dangerous but let's talk a little bit about active shootings or active shooter because we talk about some of the protocols and active shooting and what people should do and what people shouldn't do um the, the other one was the kid standing on top, and I'm sorry I don't have this as reference. The guy is on an overpass and he's shooting down, mm-hmm. and a, a soldier takes his truck and he rams the dude um, and, and, and doesn't kill him, but he gets to him before he winds up causing too much damage. These things have popped up in, in our culture. You have an active shooter that pops up and you, and you see it and you're with your family. What, what do you recommend people do in that circumstance? I know what I would do. I, I, you know, a lot of people, and rightly so, will protect their family, right? They'll move their family to the exit and get out of the building. I, I would do that too, but once they're safe, I, I, would, I would feel an obligation to go back and, and, and end that fucker's life, man. That would be my course of action. I, I, you know, the, the, the US government spent a lot of money training me. I have the skills, and uh, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. I'm not telling other people to do that. If you don't have the training in the background, but uh, that, that's what I would do. I would secure my family first and then I would go drop that guy. Yeah, and this is a similar, and I'm with you 100% on that. This, is, this goes back to when you asked those guys that question about what they would do when mm-hmm. someone's pointing a gun at them. Some people haven't even gone through the process of before, during, and after, Yeah. right? Yeah. Are you going to be capable of killing somebody? Mm-hmm. Are you capable of going into a situation and you get fucking killed? Because mm-hmm. the dude's like, oh, shit, that dude left, but he's coming right back in. Mm-hmm. I better fuck that dude up. Like, you need to be ready for all of that. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't, and they think they are. Yeah. Uh, they haven't even been in a fucking fist fight, and they're telling me they're going to go into Walmart and kill the guy who's fucking yeah. actively shooting up Walmart. Uh, yeah, priority is my family, right? Because they're the lineage. They're who comes next. Mm-hmm. Then I'd go in, like you said, but I'm ready for all things. Yeah. I'm ready to go in there and solve the problem. I'm ready 
if it's my time and the dude just fucking one up me, yeah. right? Because sometimes yeah. shit just happens. Mm-hmm. It's a bad fucking day, man. Good dudes, bad days. It, it mm-hmm. happens. And I'm also ready for the aftermath. Yeah. Like, why did you go in there mm-hmm. when you could have left and you could have secured yourself and not gone in there and not created more chaos? Well, well that ties into what I said earlier on. I have courses of action in my head mm-hmm. and I'll deal with the consequences. Exactly. I will do what I need to do and, and I'll deal with the consequences. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but people, I don't think, and and I kind of see where the question was coming from. Mike was like, uh, how do we prepare the community for those type of things? And uh, mindset is a big thing, right? Uh, Violence, preparing for violence is a big thing. Training is just a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, shooting a gun is very leisure and comfortable on a flat range, man. But now yeah. you have moving targets, targets shooting back at you, yeah. and then actual violence happening in front of you. Like yeah. If you've never seen anybody been shot or fucking uh, torn apart or, apart or shredded by some rounds, then as you walk in to find the bad guy and you look down and this person's bleeding out of their face, their eyes hanging out, and their mm-hmm. fucking jaws half off, like maybe that alone fucks you up and then you just stand there frozen. Yeah. So your initial thought of going, Going in there like there's a shit ton of stuff that people need to be prepared for and that's why uh, guys like you myself mike other guys in the company people that are training that have backgrounds like it's a different uh application than just the guy who bought his first gun carry ccw and he's like i'm gonna go in there and help yeah uh, yeah and there's shit you need to be fucking mindful of too right because under or off-duty cop right let's yep. say off-duty cop is in the store he's hearing shit too mm-hmm. he does what you do he lets the fucking he gets his family out goes back in there to serve and protect even though he's off-duty but you have this fucking uh obligation to do to to do this he's closing in on the gunfire so are you you draw your gun to shoot the bad guy he still has an id who the bad guy is he shoots you because he sees you holding a gun yeah. Like, these are fucking things you have to take into consideration, right? And this mm-hmm. is the beautiful thing about Fieldcraft Survival's gunfighter program. The evolution to your gun needs to be something you think about and develop before you start thinking about deploying it, right? Yeah. Like I'd be like, I'd, I wouldn't walk out with my gun. I'd, I'd be near it. I'd be holding it. I'd be scanning through, getting through the fucking, but I wouldn't be fucking scanning, right, aisle to aisle. And mm-hmm. then uh, off-duty Cobb is like aisle to aisle too. And he's like, well, fuck, that yeah. must be the dude. He's got a gun out. Um, that's what's really cool about our program is we, and, and I say it, I said it in the class in Chicago, it's a gun fighting program. We're teaching you to gunfight, right? Before my gun comes out, if there's a, a mirage of fire, somebody's shooting at me, it's not a gunfight. It's a shooting mm-hmm. where one person is shooting. We're teaching you to be in the gunfight when your gun's now returning fire. It's a gunfight not a shooting, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So the sub-second draw shoot a guy in the face before he starts shooting, that's still just a shooting because I didn't give the, chan- the guy a chance to shoot at me. So you have to be able to understand and articulate those things as well because guess what? You're going to be on the paperwork when you shoot somebody. Yeah. So you have mm-hmm. to explain your thought process. And yeah. this is why I like asking questions in class. I like that you ask them, like, well, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, you need to be able to, t- in that moment, already have processed the situation and been like, well, fuck, based on the little bit of information you gave me, this is what I would do, and this is why. Did you, did you find as a police officer when you came on shootings and you interviewed people, that they really did have no idea what happened. Yes. Like they just get that, because we've seen it in CQB, yeah. right? People get overwhelmed or get tunnel vision, they get focused on something, and, and if you pull them out of the shoot house and you say, 
how many tables were in that room? They won't be able to tell you. How many right. couches? How many wall pictures on the wall? Did, yeah. did you find that? As Absolutely. A, yeah, yeah. Every debrief, and you have to come back again, and this is why detectives follow up with the investigation, mm. just to see if any new information came about. Because they uh, suppress it? And, they, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then for law enforcement, let's say, uh, and this was just standard in Chicago, and we had the FOP, the Fraternal Order of Police. Uh, it was policy between them because you pay them, kind of like a union. Mm. If I, the cop, was in a officer-involved shooting, I don't have to make a statement for 24 to 48 hours. I don't have to say shit. Mm. I'm going to take myself to the hospital. They're going to send a representative there, an attorney. He's going to sit with me. I'm not going to answer questions. I'm going to let myself get checked out, make sure I'm not injured or hurt. Then I can think about the whole thing. Talk to the attorney, and mm -hmm. now we put out the information. Yeah, so you don't it gives just you time to something. Yeah, because yeah. I could be like, dude, I totally shot the dude with the black shirt. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the dude with the black shirt. And then the next day, you look at the paperwork, and it's a dude in a fucking green shirt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's that's another thing. Like that for Chicago well, was a cool policy. You, you had you're, time. You're partly in shock too. You are right? in shock. So, absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. a traumatic mm -hmm. circumstance. It's traumatic mm -hmm. as fuck. It's yeah. traumatic for the people around. A great example is the video with George. Uh, <laughs> people are traumatized watching a video through a screen. They weren't even there. Emotionally mm. charging them. They're, yeah, they're emotionally charged by witnessing something through a fucking screen. Now mm. put yourself there. Yeah. That's yeah. very different. Yeah, and inherently that's a problem in our society, right? You got these kids watching live, live leaks. They're watching murders and... They're, they're murdering people in video games and they're just they're, the way they think it, yeah, yeah. and the way they skew themselves as far as like what what is real versus what isn't mm. and the reality of that I mean I imagine that these Antifa losers have no fucking idea what reality is mm -hmm. they go into these these brawls and these protests and they think they're going to be a badass and then they get hit in the head with a two mm -hmm. by four and they realize oh well maybe I'm not prepared yeah. or maybe I'm not uh uh, tuned into what real is, and yeah. I, I just hate that. Um, you know, you, Raul, you're the training director for Phil Cross Survival, and when we set out to evolve training, uh, one of the things that we focused on, because we both agreed that it was the most important, was people. Yeah. The people in which we use as trainers, and then the way we message to our consumer base, our people that we train. How, what's your process for like finding the right person? how we kind of vet them and then uh, talk talk a little bit about the people that we do that. So the funny thing there is uh, most people don't even know we're looking at them for anything, right? We just, we're there and I'm like, I pick up something, a trade or something, I hear how he puts words together, she, he or she, and I'm like, okay, let me, let me just dig in a little bit here. I'm still here with the students, but the people that we're observing, I'm watching them, I'm listening to the way they speak, I'm watching them convey messages before we've even um, show them any interest because it's genuine at that point, right? Uh, they're, they're getting nothing mm -hmm. out of it. Them being good to people, they're getting nothing out of it right now. But if I was to tell a dude like, hey, we're looking at you and then now every time I'm around you, you're putting on a fucking show mm -hmm. and you can see that in people, right? Um, so the process that I'm looking for, I'm looking with, for guys that have good experience, they understand what we're trying to do and they get the message, right? Uh, they're almost telling me what our message is and it's pretty cool because then I don't have to get into that. They, they mm -hmm. already fucking know and then a lot of it is how you teach, how you interact with people, uh, and how do you perform? Because you need to be able to do all of it. Mm -hmm. You can't just be a good shooter and then a shitty fucking instructor, mm -hmm. right? And, and vice versa. So a lot of it has to do with 
observing people. I, I look at people's social media. I look at what they post, how they behave, and then how that how they are in real life versus their social media, right? Uh, which is interesting because a lot of people let you down, mm-hmm. right? There's there's this thing where it's like don't meet your heroes because mm-hmm. you're gonna be fucking disappointed. Oh, the inter- the inter- uh, Instagram is fake anyway. It is. You know? And here's yeah. the thing, man, and, and and we all know this. Social media is a business tool. Mm-hmm. I, everyone's like, what's your opinion on this? What's your opinion on that? And I was like, why am I going to post that? This yeah. is Raul Martinez's page, and I'm promoting training and betterment of, of the people that we serve. Like, that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I don't have to tell you all of my opinions on things, uh, but but I'm looking for that too. I'm looking for dudes that who aren't overly emotional, who understand their role in society, who understand uh, the, the passion and desire. And then I need to make sure that if I give them the outlet with this company, which is very important to me, mm-hmm. uh, if I give them that outlet that they're going to do the right fucking thing, mm-hmm. right? Because now they, they re- it's a reflection of me and my choices and, and it can affect all of us within the company. Yeah. Uh, so there is a process. It takes a while. Um, guys need to put up their own time and we handpick people. Uh, and I'm just going to say this now. Chances are if you send an e- a fucking a resume email and I've never talked to you, you're not going to work for us. No. That's just not how it works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you're listening to this and that was your fucking way of doing it, especially when it's informal as fuck, well, hey, guys, here's my fucking resume. Mm-hmm. Who cares? You guys need me. Yeah. yeah. That's not how okay. it works, man. I'm yeah. going to handpick the dudes that are the best yeah. guys for this. And it's a huge fucking responsibility, man. I'm scared well, to death when well, I make decisions because I want the best fucking guys. Well, the cool thing about this company is, you know, you, you need money. You need to be successful to run a company. Right. But it's not about the bottom line here. No. It's about preparing and educating citizens yeah. to, for natural or man-made disasters. That's what it's about. I yeah. mean, that's the overarching goal of this company and and if you make money we make money great but but uh we, we want to get that job satisfaction and we want to help and we all have this thing right where we all feel like we need to give more give more we need mm-hmm. to teach you more mm-hmm. i have so much more to say to you <laughs> uh and i need those kind of instructors because what they do is they impart the most important shit that they can in that small window that we have them for mm-hmm. the people that we have right uh, and that's also what I'm looking for. So if a dude's like, well, I'm just going to give him a little bit of this, mm-hmm. and then they're going to have to come back for more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say it in all my classes all the time. I'm going to give you what you need to survive some shit mm-hmm. and maybe not need me ever again, yeah. right? Because that's how you build better people. You get them to the point where they don't fucking need you. Yeah. Uh, that's true leadership versus uh, always having to rely on me, always having to fucking suck on my teeth to fucking survive. Mm-hmm. I don't want that, dude. Like, be your own person. And that's that's the beauty of our program and how we're kind of like – really digging in getting new people because we we didn't have a lot of instructors right because we were doing it all in-house really tight knit making sure that it was the best freaking quality that we can fucking put out Mm -hmm. and so now that we're bringing guys in new faces are popping up they're being picked for a reason Mm -hmm. and it's not just randomly right so there's a long process six to eight months it needs to be approved by the heads of the company everything needs to make sense and if it doesn't we just it's okay to let people go mm-hmm. and yeah right now we're, we're lucky we have two three new four four new guys that are still in that vetting process we, they're on board they're teaching they're going to be teaching they're doing all these things uh but it's no easy task man they have a, a big th- reputation within the company to live up to and then if they can't provide our uh, our community, the people that come to our classes, the best uh, training, then we let them go. We'll yeah. find somebody. It's hard as it's hard as can be, man, to find really good dudes, exactly. and that's why it takes forever. And that's why we only have certain people teaching. Mm-hmm. What are some of the guys? I know you're. I know they're still being vetted, um, but what are some of the guys and kind of like their backgrounds? What kind of backgrounds do you look for? So 
we want tactical backgrounds because we are teaching mildly we're teaching tactics a lot of it is uh, marksmanship and we're just getting people more comfortable but we want guys with experience so that they can also convey the mindset message right how it's going to feel before during and after uh, an altercation so we're looking with dudes with heavy backgrounds mainly uh, eventually we'll lead into other stuff that'll uh, that it's going to come down the line for like more fundamental training and marksmanship where it's just isolated uh, mechanical tasks where we don't have to worry so much about those things but right now currently because we're building uh, a strong foundation with the first core group of instructors that are coming on board so we have Aaron who's a Navy SEAL deployments great experience Texas um, kind of guy so he's got that vibe to him uh, he just wants to help people out we have uh, Nick on the West Coast law enforcement background undercover background just a good dude doing a lot of stuff that great feedback from the classes that yeah had so far. that's what I'm saying them. like yeah. and and it's impressive to do that because it's hard sometimes to to get guys that are good man it's been a struggle but but we're doing it right we have law enforcement guys with great backgrounds military backgrounds and there's a reason why we're fishing and finding dudes with military and law enforcement backgrounds is work ethic mm -hmm. i need dudes that don't need me yeah. uh they'd be like hey i'm ready to go on these dates and then i'll schedule them and then it's boom we're going um uh, but back to some of the guys so nick from uh the west coast and then pushing out these two new guys that i'm really really stoked to have on board um marine corps dudes and then now uh miami swat guys for a long time so they're not like new team guys they're like they've been there for a while chris and and dave which i'm going to be spending uh not this weekend but the one after with them and then they'll be out and um at salma with us so you guys will get a chance to meet them and shake hands and mm -hmm. and see kind of what what you guys think because ultimately it's going to be your green light or not um if we keep them but that that's what i'm looking for i'm looking for dudes with background and experiences good articulation good um good way good behavioral pa uh, <laughs> that's funny i say the behavioral patterns thing uh reminded me of something else but the, the way guys interact with people the way they interact with us all of that has to make sense for the company otherwise they're not they're not yeah, on board yeah uh kev you you know i don't think it, I, we've announced this nobody knows about this but you you are taking over you know you're a long gun expert there's no doubt uh, about your credentials in long gun and sniper craft um, but we teach civilian marksmanship classes for sport hunters, uh, sport shooters, and you are taking over the survival side of Philcraft Survival. Can you talk about some of that stuff, the stuff we have coming, and how you're going to line out that plan for for Philcraft? Yeah, we just we just did the uh, the bug out and foot course for a week, and it was really successful. And you know, bug out for a lot of people was, it seems so far fetched. But if there's riots going on in your city and they lock that city down, then that's bugging out, right? You need to move your family to a safer locations and upgrade your position. So that's part of it. Now inside that, there's a whole bunch of, you know, moving techniques, land navigation, um, survival field craft, stuff like that. So that that's a really exciting portion of that. Um, we're going to expand that that market. We're going to do survival courses. We're going to land nav courses separately. Uh, we're going to do a bunch of content on YouTube, and then we're going to do more of those five-day bug-out courses uh, coming up. So, yeah, it, it, it's um, it, it's funny how people, you know, I spent 35 years in two mil militaries, and they're like, oh, you just do long gun. I was like, I, I got some other skills, too. <laughs> well, you said, I mean, your company, when you first got out of the Irish military and soft and social mm -hmm. operations, was a survival-based company was, yeah, yeah. And, and adventure. And we, we had lined out this bug out on foot course, and man, it 
it was one of the funnest experiences it I've was, ever yeah, had. It was cool to, to um, do it, yeah. But, but there's something specific about survival that's important, which is we talked about bugging out, but there's also bugging in. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole bunch of skill sets like land nav. The mm-hmm. list goes on that people... I mean, the mar- it's crazy because as a business decision, initially, we were like, no. In fact, I, I think I talked to Raul about a kanking tactical training. We did. You know, which is, it, looking back, like mm. would have been the dumbest decision I've ever made. Um, but we initially started this company with survival in mind, with mm. actually survival on the forefront of our mind. And we ran a couple courses and it was successful at a, in a small drum up. But survival is the core of this company. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just include tactical specific training. How is it important to do things like land nav and mm-hmm. all these technical survival things? Survival is a super broad term. Yeah. It can mean almost anything, you know? It's a cool survival education is like the umbrella of what everything happens in yeah. the company, dude. Yeah. It's yeah. In, in I every mean, aspect. shooting is under survival, too. Yeah, you everything. Know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, you talk about bugging in. Like, I've got tons of experience in building a fortified position. Imagine, like, there's a riot going on and you need to lock your building down. Yeah. Like, that, there's specific uh, TTPs for that that are super effective that, that you can use stuff that you have in your house right now, but you just don't know about it. And part of the things I learned... As a sniper instructor, I've seen that, like we, we would get Green Berets and Rangers and CAD guys that would come to the course all the time. And every time we did, you know, uh, urban hides and stuff like that, I, yeah. I'd always be with them. And I would always learn stuff from them, even though I'm the instructor, you know. I'd, uh, I remember we were in a, in a building one night and some CAD guys took the, the light bulbs out and they crushed them and put them on the stairs. So as if anybody came up the stairs, they would make noise. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Little TTP. I'm going to put that one away for later, you know. But little things like that, that we've we've just been doing for for years and years and years, um, can be pertinent in in that survival realm. So, yeah, looking forward to expanding that out and and making it a really cool course. And, you know, we do the survival, like the bug out course. I'm not going to give stuff away, but... We're gonna we're gonna throw throw some curveballs at you, make you make some hard decisions, make you uh, um, kind of get that mind right, get get your mindset right yeah. for for what you're in because you're in a very very stressful uh, scenario. Yeah, to answer a few more like training questions that we get all the time, like what's the difference between a law enforcement only class uh, and a civilian class? Right, we get a lot of those questions, and uh, I'll use CQB as an example. For law enforcement, they're going in, right? And it's a very different application than a military um, CQB setup, right? Mm -hmm. So two different tasks. I'm going into arrest or I'm going into clear threats, right? So on the American side, we're teaching law enforcement how to go into houses, secure them, find who you're finding. And then we do have the firearm side, which just applies if need be. Uh, For the civilian side, it's how to work your way out of your house, how to clear your house from the inside out because you're potentially at home. And that's a huge threat. And I I don't think people understand when you say home invasion, I don't think people know what that means, Mm. right? It's different than a burglary. Yeah, burglary is nobody's home. Somebody's going in, they're stealing your fucking TV. Now, you put your family in that house and somebody breaks in, that's a home invasion. Yeah. And they, they and know you're fucking They know you're home. there, so That's, they're willing to do yeah. fucking So they're willing to do shit. way more. You're yeah. already isolated within your house, right? Mm-hmm. If they can keep you quiet, they can do a shit ton of things to you mm-hmm. 
-hmm. that are just not good. So we teach people how to work their way from the inside out, where we teach law enforcement how to work um, themselves from the outside in and Mm -hmm. then secure the inside. So those are the little things that are different. Um, One's more ambush related for the the public, defending themselves. It's more of a self-defense thing, driving the gun to being there uh, when it needs to be. Law enforcement is, you know, working and moving, tracking, things that are just a little more job related. So there are differences all within the same scope and I think people just always ask that, and if you're listening, you got you can kind of get an idea of what we're saying about that, and everything has an application. So that's what we're trying to do: is give everybody what they need. Do you get a lot of questions on on the gunfighter stuff? That oh, is it super like advanced stuff? Because I had a private session done in in series. And the lady said she told somebody she was going to go train with field craft. And they were like, oh, my God, that's so advanced, you know, whereas it can it, it's built into fairly advanced stuff later sure. on. But, but it can be very basic. And it you, is. as long as you have safe handling skills, you mm-hmm. can go to a gunfighter pistol course. Right. You said it. I mean, yep. when I get those questions, hey, what's the minimum criteria? Mm-hmm. I And this is almost like a staple in my return email. Look, I need you to be able to understand basic fundamentals of marksmanship. So Mm -hmm. hit where you're aiming at, which means you have some idea of grip, some idea of your side picture, side alignment, putting that on a target, which is aiming, and then working the trigger to the rear, right? Without unstabilizing the sights. You need to have that basic understanding. And then on top of that, the most important part of that, because we can teach you the fundamentals of shooting, Mm -hmm. uh, the important part is how safely you maneuver and comfortably have your gun around others, right? And I make sure I put that last bit in there, around other people, mm-hmm. not just how well do you handle it? Because if I'm alone and there's never any threats, I can be like this and wave it around and it doesn't matter because it's safe because nobody's around. Now, how do I navigate it around a group of people and other people around me? And that those are the two key things, understanding your marksmanship fundamentals and then being uh, safe around other people with your handgun or rifle. And that usually that usually clarifies it for them. They're like, okay, I have that. And then yeah. they'll show up. But what's beautiful, and we, we had great feedback in the Chicago class is about, so of the 24 people that were there, I'd say about eight of them were relatively new. They needed a lot of grip work. They needed a lot of sight picture work. Just the fundamentals, complete fundamentals. Uh, and what was funny about it is the guys who were squared away and could shoot well, they didn't feel like we were, like, boring them. Yeah. And this is what's really cool and unique about Fieldcraft and how we run things is we we make everybody feel like we're in this together. So even the advanced guy, while I'm teaching fundamentals over here and getting them caught up to them, even just, like, for the day, getting them caught up, they feel a part of that they feel a sense of success when they succeed. Mm. And that's the idea. That's the community, right? Then people walk away as, as like a team versus yeah. fuck that dude, he sucks. I know, they right, actually yeah. feel good about them succeeding. And then yeah. towards the end, everybody's cheering each other on, yeah. which is rad because yeah. most classes, like the tactical classes, yeah. everybody's like, I'm here to be the fucking cool dude. Yeah. Screw everybody else, right? You don't get that with us. You get no. all of the stuff that's going to help you survive a confrontation on top of the camaraderie and the teamwork and the mm-hmm. skills that you need to, to develop. So Yeah, I saw that in, in when we were doing the stress test in a series. Once people finished it, especially people who struggled and were slow, everybody would clap. Yeah. Like, good job. That's man. awesome. Good job. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I get that advanced question on the long run, long range stuff too. Like, oh, how's experienced do you have to be? It's a beginner class, man. It's a beginner mm-hmm. class. So I, that's why we do a whole day of classroom and I will walk you through every single yeah. step you need to know. And then we do a day of shooting and, and yeah. you'll, you'll walk away understanding the ballistics behind it, which is cool. Yeah, one of the first times that we're going to offer the, you know, we do the mobility side. We do overland training courses. Bug Out Basics is our overland staple of survival and mobility blend. 
Um, but we actually have a new instructor coming out to teach on August 8th, which is our bug out basics course. Um, but also we have our first evasive driving course, which is uh, the end of this month, the end of June in Lawrence, South Carolina at the sawmill, which I'll be teaching that one, which is evasive driving, J turns, ramming vehicles, uh, pit maneuvers. Uh, it's going to be super fun. So that's another evolution um, of training and, and you know, trying to evolve the skill sets to kind of cover down on as much as we can without over taxing ourselves. Um, one thing we, we do want to make an announcement before we close this podcast out is we just received our, our FFL, our Federal Firearms License, to be able to sell guns. Now, I've, for liability reasons, have separated the gun side from the field craft side. And we talked about strategy for how do you, how do you make a piss poor margin uh, business successful in, in what we do and, and, you know, a revenue stream, but also further educating customers. And one of the ideas I had was we don't just offer to sell guns. I'm not selling all guns. Right. Like you're not going to call me and say, hey, what kind of gun you want? And then I'm going to search the catalog and find you a gun. But I'm going to offer the guns that we recommend, yeah. right, in each category, whether that's a Triarch, a BCM, a Glock 19. Um, but we're also going to provide the education with that gun because I feel like that's what's missing. It's like there's this gap between – it's like many businesses offer solutions in the product. But then when you hand it over, there's no training apparatus to allow you to get better or to even a start point to do anything. So it's not like you know shoe companies don't teach you how to run when they give you a pair of shoes. Fuck, they don't even teach you how to tie your shoes. They don't teach you anything, right? <laughs> so, but I think it's important in firearms, especially. I think really it's a, it's more assurances, but it's more than that. It's a responsibility. It's an obligation. It's yeah. an obligation. Yeah. And so when I give you a Glock 19 from Fieldcraft, one, I want to offer you the proper line out of what it what it should be. Like if you ask me what gun do we, do I want for concealed carry, Glock 19. Mm-hmm. If you haven't tested and evaluated different guns and you're asking me, I'm not going to give you 10 options. Right. I want to say Glock 19, uh, these specific sights, this specific uh, holster, which will be our holster inside the waistband, and then I'll train you exactly on how to do that. And inherently, what I've seen over the years of training is people use training classes as the test bed to see what works and what doesn't work, which is inefficient. Well, right? we've been doing that. Yeah. We're doing it for you. Yeah. We're Not doing only, R&D for yeah, you. Yeah. With all of our other products, with our holsters, mm-hmm. our, our mag carriers, our in the waistband tourniquet holsters, all that product that we have, it's a, a tested product already. So yeah. you don't have yes. to buy how many fucking cases of, of gear do you have no. that you're like, man, I really thought this mm-hmm. was going to be great, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody sets the same bag in the closet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So us now providing the, the firearm solution to this is yeah. everything. We're giving you everything in-house. We've all field tested. We've all worked with. It's stuff that just works. So you don't have to buy and test things. I mean, you're still going to have to get good with it no matter what. Mm-hmm. That's you. Uh, but we've pro- we're providing all of it from beginning to end, the gear and the guns and then I know you have other projects coming in with those guns, which is I think was a good idea, like little training tips on how to work the gun. And now you have all these videos. And mm-hmm. uh, it's not just like uh, when you go to the store and you buy a gun at a store, and as soon as you pay for it and the guy hands it to you, that's it. The, the, yeah. There's a disconnect, right? And that sucks. 
Because at first, they almost like it's almost like a car salesman. He's <laughs> like, oh, man, welcome. Check this yeah, out. We'll be Touch buddies. This. Oh, we're best friends. As soon as you pay, he's like, thank you. And he moves on to the next customer. And that's the end of that. Yeah. Right? But and what's cool about us and not providing shit tons of options, just giving them exactly the stuff that, that matters, yeah. is that it keeps the connection there. It's yeah. like the Tinder equivalent. And I want that Bumblebee experience. <laughs> you know? I want that long for at least a couple months. Oh, shit. I, you know, and I, the thing with the, the gun is we are going to offer on a... Uh, a brochure inside of that box, the QR code to a video to do, to walk you step by step. This is a Glock 19. Go ahead and pull it out of your box. Mm-hmm. This is how you lock the slide to the rear. This is how it works. This is safety, basic safety. So you could sit in front of your family and be educated for free and, 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 and not start with a start point of like you have a Glock 19 in a box at your house and you have no idea what the hell to do. I think it's a responsibility, but those are some of the things that we intend to do uh, on top of a whole bunch of other stuff with the FFL, and I'm, I'm super stoked about that. In fact, if you are interested in firearms at all and you want to contact us because you want to get on our list, uh, if you email us at info at philcraftsurvival.com, that's I-N-F-O, obviously, at philcraftsurvival.com, and let us know what you want and or you want to be added to the list, do so, and I'll make sure George consolidates our email list for firearms to ensure that you're uh, better educated when all this stuff comes out. Also, you can go to philcraftsurvival.com on the prompted link. Uh, It will give you an opportunity to get attached to our newsletter, which we, man, the marketing guy, dude, is putting out tons of newsletters that includes a lot of content and a lot of opportunities, whether that's training or uh, equipment. Guys, I'm going to close out this podcast. Uh, I appreciate having you guys on. Um, I mean, the coolest thing about this company is having... Um, guys you could depend on and trust to be able to run with everything that we're doing. I could never do this by myself. I think that's why this company will succeed because we have the right people in the right places and the right positions. Um, if you guys are interested in anything Philcraft related on YouTube, the Philcraft Survival channel, on social media, it's Philcraft Survival. Uh, we're all over the place. Is there anything coming up in recent days or weeks that you guys want to uh, talk about before we close out? I know Just South Carolina is a big one for us. Yeah, yeah, the end of June for four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which is the last part of uh, June, we are flexing the entire company to South Carolina. So from the 25th to the 28th of June, uh, it, like Mike said, it's everybody. Everybody is, that is either new to the company or becoming a part of the company, everyone will be there to um, to be, they're going to be there teaching. You're going to get to see firsthand new guys teaching, uh, the original guys teaching. Everybody's going to be there together. Uh, so get into those classes. They're, they're, they're pretty much, yeah, I mean, some most of them are, them are sold most out. Most of them right, are yeah. sold out. But, but the idea was to create uh, a gathering so that everybody who meets us there gets a chance to meet everybody in the company, building that bigger community, allowing you guys to ask questions and just be a part of it. Uh, meet some local people, which is always a great thing that happens at classes is you end up meeting a guy who lives two blocks from you and you didn't know you guys had everything else in common. Mm. Uh, and that's kind of the platform that we're trying to provide. So by bringing everybody in, you can ask anybody any question and it helps you kind of figure out who we all are in person not only of uh because of our social media and stuff but in person training and then just the quality of instruction to have everybody in one place at once i mean that's there's no price on that it's gonna be huge did you fill those uh, paperwork out with the gun stuff no did I you didn't even bring it <laughs> Remember we had oh, a whole plan? Yeah. yeah. Oh, with a hand thing? Yeah. Oh, whatever, man. That's yeah. on us. We'll figure oh. it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> All right, guys. Till next time. Stay alert. Stay alive. Stay alive. <laughs> All right, guys. Bye. <laughs>